Well, I have to tell you, everybody that becomes a Christian has a story. And uh, Brad's got a really great story, and he'll tell it to you sometime. I don't want to reveal anything that might not, he might not want me to reveal. But I'll tell you one thing. Brad is a truth seeker. He's a brother in Christ now. But he's a brother in Christ because he, he had and has an honest and good heart. Did you know the scripture teaches that if you don't have an honest and good heart, you're not going to make it? That's what it says. Now, you may argue with me, well, if you don't get choked too bad by the weeds that you might make it. No, no. There's only one out of four, if we're going to follow what Jesus is saying. And that one out of four is a person that has an honest, honest with themselves that they're not making the grade, honest and good heart, I want to do what's right. Amen? Amen. I'll tell you, that's who Brad is. And so... Uh, Brad and I did some hunting together and hunting's a great thing in a whole host of ways and when I go hunting with someone who's not a Christian I'm always all ears man we're on this we're you know like these little radars you know and uh, just enjoying the time with Brad he's a good guy come to figure out good guy we talk hunting we talk hunting we talk hunting and did a little bit and then I needed some help with uh, uh, the website uh, some guy was just jacking us around and charged us an arm and a leg to do a whole lot of nothing. And when he did do it, he wasn't willing to give us the, the domain name. And well, there's some other stuff. Brad knows all this stuff. <laughs> so we were talking hunting. And then, and of course, we were supposed to be talking about the website. We got talking hunting first, I think. Or maybe after. I don't remember. It was probably first. And then we talk about this website, and he goes, yeah, I could do this, and we could come in from the back end, because I couldn't get any access to this thing, and I'll come in and do this and do that. And so he basically was able to do that. But you know the interesting thing is, so what do you want to do with the website? And I said, well, I want it to be educational. I want to talk about, you know, timeless truths, biblical principles, and stuff like that. And I don't know if I said one or two. And, and then he started sharing with me his story, and he would share something about a principle he learned in a book, and I go, there's a scripture for that. And I would quote the scripture. And then we'd talk a little bit more about some other stuff. And I mean, this guy, as I'm listening to this guy, and he's like, wow, this guy really wants to be a better husband, a better father, a better man. How many books had you read? 185 or something like that? Hundred and I mean, just amazing, because he wanted to be a better husband, a better man. And so he was learning biblical principle because how many of you know, there's guys out there like the guy that wrote Atomic Habits. That guy is not a Christian, right? I mean, some of the examples are like cringe when you read them. Like, hey, you know what? People get involved in pornography because it's just one of those habits that people like to do. And it's like, God, right? So a guy's not a Christian, but he's got some biblical principles in there. I mean, that are right on the money. You can match verse for verse so we did a couple three or four and i don't know what ended up happening but we ended up deciding we're going to do a bible study and uh he came out and visit i think he came out and visited a couple times church to see if i wasn't just a whack job you know freak you know jimmy jim baker jim baker drink the kool-aid kind of guy or something i don't know so so it comes out and it was i think it was relatively normal out there you know fairly normal yeah <laughs> And uh, Melinda and the kids were like, no way, man. <laughs> and then uh, 
And then Brad told me some of the bad things that had happened before. And so when they came out, it was good, you know. And uh, Melinda's just a uh, rock star of a lady. She's so cool. I just love her. You know, she's feisty as all get out. She gives me a hard time no matter what, you know. I come over and she cooks awesome and then gives me a hard time. You know, the food draws me in and then she... <laughs> so, but I'll tell you what, Brad has continued to grow. And the first time I asked him to speak, I couldn't believe it. It blew me away. I mean, he blew a lot of people away in the, the congregation. Like, wow. Wednesday night, it was like, man, we got to get this guy up on pulpit. And he's been. And he's preached before. Well, you preached here last year, right? Yeah. Or at men's camp. And so perseverance. I gave him a hard topic. You know, some people say Job was one of the most perseverant men. But that was a relatively short, painful experience. Who probably had the most long-term painful experience? Day in, day out, going to the grind, being ridiculed, told that he's a lunatic. And yet he stayed the course and he really saved mankind. Who was that? It wasn't Jesus. It was Noah. Yeah, Noah. And so... So if you'll take a look at your thing there, it says Noah's perseverance. And, uh, you know, we're talking about some things that just made Noah extraordinary. And guess what? We are not mere mortals, gentlemen. We are not ordinary. We are not mere mortals. The scripture teaches that. No, And we have more than what Noah had. And Noah was a great man. And I'm going to turn it over to Brad now and let him show you what uh, one of those facets of perseverance that we need to get locked into. So let's give it up for this guy. Thanks, man. Just making sure it's all on hold. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to turn it off. Yeah. Tech guy turning off the camera or the... <laughs> yeah, then it's, it's my bad, right? This is how we fix it and I don't follow my own advice. Well, thanks for the introduction, Bill. So it's funny how God nudges us in ways that we may not expect. When Bill asked me to preach for G4 Summit, he talked about how uh, we basically was going to give me Jeremy's topic. I was like, yeah, perseverance at work. I could do this. And then he changed it and gives me a very hard study <laughs> because we read the book around Noah and Genesis but it's only a few chapters and you really got to dig to pull out what the meaning is behind it and study some other scriptures to really understand what's going on there and, and why it's important but then yesterday it hit me this morning I was laying in my tent going wow I'm so glad I didn't give the talk around perseverance at work because I really needed to hear what Jeremy had to say yesterday Amen. and so now I I think, wow, I had this really hard topic to study, but I actually got the benefit of this through his sermon, not necessarily what I'm going to teach you guys here today. So um, I'll try to make this impactful like Jeremy's was impactful for me yesterday. Uh, but the study around this was actually impactful for me as well because, wow, Noah was a perseverant and faithful man. Um, and when, when we get into what we're talking, what we're going to talk about today, we're going to find that not only is he, he perseverance, he did it with a really great attitude. Because I was thinking, like, when I first read it, I was like, wow. Like, 
can't even get down 120 years building a boat, you know. I think, I think at some point in there, there's going to be, there's going to be a little, uh, why am I doing this in my mind, maybe, possibly. But the scriptures actually don't say that he had that attitude, so um, we'll get there. But when I was talking with Bill about this topic, he's like, well, uh, chapter 5 is a bunch of lineage stuff, so it really starts in chapter 6, but I was like, ah, I'm going to check out chapter 5 anyway and see what's going on here, and I think it's important that we start there. Uh, but the book of Noah, or the story of Noah, is really about judgment and grieving. God's judgment over man and their behavior at that particular period in time, and grieving that things didn't turn out the way he wanted them to. So if we want to turn to Genesis chapter 5, we're actually going to start out with Adam. This is the lineage stuff. And so we're going to do chapter 1 through 3. This is the book of the generation of Adam. Obviously, Noah was in the generation of Adam. In the day when God created man, he created man in his likeness of God, or in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. And this is important because God made us in his image, and that's how things started. And we all know the story about the apple and how it kind of went downhill from there, right? Like, th- things happened, and now we're, we're in a place where the world starts into this downward spiral, and then... We're going to get to chapter 3 here. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and he named him Seth. So God created man in his image, but 130 years later, Adam created a son in his own image. And that was after the apple. That was after the world started to go downhill. So this is kind of the start of that downward spiral, and and I think this is really important to understand because later we're going to talk about how bad it got when we get to the book of Noah. Um, So then the day of Adam, after he became father of Seth, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. So... If we look at the, if we just think about 900 years, things were perfect when, when Adam and Eve were created, the apple happened, and things, like 900 years after that, how much regret, how much sorrow, how much, like, I did this to the world might have happened in that 900 years. That's a lot. It's a lot of regret. Like, he, probably, Adam probably lived a very pers- perseverant life. The the thing about this whole part is I really, when I was reading this, I was like, wow, I really want to know the story of Adam. That's really what I want to know. Like, that 900 years is probably pretty important. Like, how much change could have happened if it happened? Maybe it didn't happen, and maybe that's the important part of Adam's story is maybe he didn't grow from it. But you'd think there were probably some growth that happened. So all that to say... Once we get to the point where Adam creates a son out of his own image, things start to spiral. Time and society degrade so much that God wants to destroy it all. 
like really the book of Noah is about the apocalypse, right? Like we save eight people and, and I mean, we were, Jeremy and I were talking about this yesterday. He gave a talk on Noah and I didn't think about it, but really it is like the apocalypse happens. So there's no zombies or anything in this particular story, but, but the whole world is sort of, sort of taken out. The really cool thing is about the story is it's not only about God's judgment and grieving. It's also about Noah and his faith and perseverance. And it's really a story of hope, right? Like there's, there's a lot of really important things that happen in these really short chapters in Genesis. <laughs> so my talk today is going to have three parts. We're going to talk about walking with God in chaos. We're going to talk about overcoming the naysayers. What is my third point? And then we're going to talk about perseverance through faith. So when we get to chapter 6, we're going to see what society was like during the days of Noah. So we're going to start in chapter 1. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is in flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. You know, I looked in this whole book, and I was thinking, how long did it take Noah to build the boat? I couldn't find it anywhere. And then all of a sudden, like, chapter 3 stuck out. Like, 120 years is when God's going to flood the earth. So that's where, like, the 120 years makes sense. Like, it's going to take 120 years from the time God decides that this, that, that he's going to talk to Noah about this. And then, you know, the flood's going to come. So uh, I'm guessing it's 120 years of time that's going to go by where then the judgment's going to happen. Let's jump down to chapter 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. How bad does it got to be? to only, like The evil in your heart is only there continually. There's no, like, in my mind, I think there's no happiness. There's no, like, it's only about deceit, self selfishness how do i get what i want um where's where's god in this picture and in this it's pretty it's pretty dismal right god's not there the lord was sorry that he had made man on earth and he was grieving in his heart the lord said i will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land from man to animal to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. Wow, how do, you, how do you make God so mad that he's sorry that he made you? That's rugged. <laughs> but there was a light in this whole story, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generation of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in the time. Noah walked with God, and I think that's important. Because, like, if just I'm just thinking out, like, if I go for a walk with my son, I'm there and he's there. 
Like it says Noah walks with God, but wasn't God also walking with Noah? Like it was like a, he saw something in Noah that he wanted to keep safe. And so what does walking with God mean? Sorry, I got to get back to my notes here. <laughs> so holy and blameless, a righteous man. There's some other scriptures. Second uh, Peter chapter 2 and f- to 5. He did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness. I think it's important to know that Noah was a preacher. So the whole world is evil all the time in their hearts. And Noah is out preaching the word. So in a minute we're going to talk about the task that Noah had. But while he's having that task, he's also going out and trying to save people. Sorry, I'm a little lost in my notes here. I kind of deviated a bit. Um, Oh, I wonder. All right. So I think it's also important that we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11. You can turn there. It's tough when you read your notes of the second point and trying to preach to the first point. It's it's rugged. (laughs) I'm like, like, where am I? I'm lost right now. All right, uh, Hebrews 11 chapter 7. So, by faith Noah, being warned by God, about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation for his household. By which he commanded, condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to his faith, or to faith. So the part that I highlighted here was salvation of his household. Like there was eight people that like, survived the flood, right? And it was Noah his wife, his three kids, and their three wives. He did all of this. And we haven't even got to what we've done yet. But he did all of this to save his household. Isn't that what we're doing? Like, we're doing all of this in our life. Like, we're trying to live a godly life. We're trying to be perseverant. We're trying to be faithful. We're trying to bring people into Christ to save our families and ourselves. And I think it, it highlights here that, that Noah was also doing that too. He was a blameless, he was a righteous man, he was a preacher. So he could make it. And God found something in Noah that God walked with Noah while Noah was walking with God. In a world where we weren't really the, or Noah wasn't the, the rule, right? He was the exception. If everyone's heart was, was, um, evil continuously but there's this one person we just think about the population of the earth at this time probably pretty small right so a very very small fraction of population was the light 
versus what was the dark. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Uh, Matthew 24, uh, verse 7, also talks about, kind of sounds like the times of Jesus, too. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. So we've got Adam spirals down to where God's grieving and wants to make a decision to destroy the earth, save Noah. This all happens. We all know this happens, right? spans however many years God's grieving again but instead of destroying the earth he sends a savior right so it's like a cycle things are good spiral down things look good spiral down Jesus dies resurrected our savior things look good where are we at today right it seems like a like like a very consistent cycle of human behavior that is going to is going to at least eventually lead most people to a bad place unless you're part of the hope and have the faith and and live the life of Christ. So my point number 2 is overcoming the naysayers. Interesting point about the building of the ark. Who here is a woodworker? Anybody work with wood? Anybody try to work with wood? Like you're like, hey, I want to build this cabinet. <laughs> Does it like look like one of these lean-to things that are like, hey, I'm proud of that. Let's go to let's go to IKEA. We need to get something a little bit different here. So let's, let's just, just chat a little bit about Noah's task. So let's turn to Genesis 6, 14 through 22. The reason I bring this up is because God didn't just say, Hey, Noah, hey, buddy, we're going to take you over here, and I'm going to protect you. I'm just going to go ahead and wipe out the earth, but I'm going to save you over here. right? Noah, or God came to Noah and said, Hey, I'm going to give you this monumental task to do. This, this thing that's going to take you 120 years. Noah didn't take, Noah was going to take him 120 years, but God knew it was going to take him 120 years because it said it in chapter 3. 120-year task of perseverance, ridicule, like not going. I, I really love the story yesterday about the runners that went the wrong way and the ones that went the right way. Like Noah was going down the path of the other runner that was going to actually finish the race and not get disqualified like and getting laughed at the whole time, right? I mean... You're in the middle of the desert, hundreds of miles away from any body of water, and someone's like, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. Like, how crazy do you think people thought Noah was? Mm -hmm. Crazy. So let's look at chapter 14. Um, not in Hebrews. i got to go to the right chapter. <laughs> Genesis 6, right? Yeah, Genesis 6. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark will be 300 cubits. 
the best I can tell, that's a football field, maybe a little bit further. It's a big boat. It's a big boat. And it's uh, breadth, it's width is 50 cubics, and its height is 30 cubits. I mean, this is a massive ship. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubic from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with, make it with lower, second, and third decks. Behold, even I am bringing the, or sorry, behold, I, even I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life. From under the heavens, everything that is on the earth shall perish. There's a couple of things here that's missing from a boat. There's no navigational system. There's no rudder. There's one window. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking you have one window in an ark and you have all these animals in there. Not just like deer and dogs, maybe a kitty, right? Like lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. This is what I'm thinking right now. And you're in a boat with one window with your family in the dark because later we're going to talk about when he opens the window. So he just doesn't open the window. It's like a very specific time that he opens that window. And the time that's going to go by that we're going to see in a minute, there's a lot of faith that goes on there, right? Like you're, you're, you are relying on God to save you in this massive ship that you put together with your own hands and you probably weren't a boat builder. And God's going to lift this ship. It's going to float it around for a while. You don't know how long. You don't know where you're going to land. You don't know if you're going to survive. Because I'm telling you, that tiger is probably really on Noah's mind. But you have the faith that you're going to survive because God told you that you were. Plus, who, like, does he know what a gopher, like, where to go get gopher wood? Like what type of tree that is? There's a lot of research that's going to have to go on here in building this boat. Yeah. I tried to build something with primitive tools. Didn't go well. Like, they didn't have the mill, right? Like, there's no saw that, like, creates these really cool-looking boards that are f- symmetrical and flat. And, like, like we're, like, there's a tree. I'm going to chop that thing down and somehow make a boat out of it. Like that, I remember 120 years, there's probably like 50 years of learning and like 50 years of building the actual boat. So like Jeremy was talking about yesterday was doing all of this work and really not knowing what the end result's going to look like, right? He's just working and working and working and working and working. So in 2 Peter 2-5, through we talked about him being a preacher. Not only was he working, he was going down to where the people were, and he was talking about 
you just see how this conversation is going to go. Hey, everybody, God came to me. He said it's going to rain. People are like, what is rain? It's going to bring a flood. What's a flood? Right? It, it, it reminds, the picture that I got was like downtown Eugene with the guy with the sign that says the end of the world is coming. Right? Like you drive past that person and you're like, something going on there. Maybe that guy needs a little help. But he just kept, he just kept going and building and building and he's building this massive boat in the middle of the desert. I just, I just can't fathom how much ridicule was happening to him in that period of time. Because people were continually evil in their hearts all the time. So there were just hammering him probably i mean I, I wasn't there i mean none of us were there but you just think about people today and how they treat others that are different coming with the message of god and people are like yeah that's not a real thing i'm gonna i'm gonna go do my own thing right the really cool thing is In, chapter, in Genesis chapter 6, when we get towards the bottom, it said Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. He went through all of it. The ridicule, the learning, the shaping of who he was, not just to save himself, but to save his family. The other really cool passage that I found Got to figure out where it is here. Oh, is he, is back to Hebrew chapter 11. By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, so we're talking about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared his ark. With a great attitude. He's out there just chopping down those trees saying, I'm going to save my family. I'm going to heaven. God's going to save me. He wasn't out there going, what am I doing? All these people are probably right. Like, why am I building this boat here? The scripture says that he did it in reverence. He was wanting to do it. He was happy to do it. Because he was walking with God. And God was walking with him. And God saw the light in Noah and said, hey, I'm going to wipe out the earth, but I want to save you. So, my question is, how does God speak to us? And how do we speak to God today? This is that tactile thing where I could hold up the Bible, like hold up the Word, but I have an iPad. So I'm going to have, I'm going to have Scott hold that up. Because I don't want to be like this, and you're going to be like, what? That's an iPad. What are you talking about? God's not going to save us through the iPad, right? No, it's the Word. It's going to save us through the Word. We read the Word. We let that shape our character. And then we pray. We talk to God. God talks to us. And we help bring people into Christ. So... When we look at Noah building a boat in the middle of the desert to save his family and 
I would imagine he wanted to, like, let other people know and save them, too. They were just like, yeah, dude, whatever. But what do we do today as Christians that just seem ridiculous to the world? That was a question. Like, like what Jake was saying is preying on the world. Yeah. <laughs> Believing that smell is ours and it's what actually happened, that's just like the lunatic. Yeah. Mm. Or the Red Sea crossing, that's the lunatic. Yeah. Someone living 900 years or 600 years, right? Those are, those are things. Now, like a lot of the stuff we do, this doesn't make sense to people. But what I've found is when I read the word and I pray and I've had a lot of challenges over the last year with work and COVID and um, once going in the office, being like, you know, around people. And then I built an office in my walk-in closet. Like, you'd think that was a really great idea, but like, it's lonely in there, right? Like the family's outside. You're in this closet that's like maybe this much, this much from your shoulders. You got the screens and you have your, your, your headset on you're talking with people so you don't really notice it but over like a year it just feels like it's that little room is just closing in on you and then some depression kind of comes in because you're not like connecting with people you move away from the congregation so you're not there every week right <laughs> so right you're, you're like this the mental toughness just starts to the grit just starts to shave away that willpower, that faith. That um, that was a year. That was three hundred and sixty-five ish days. One hundred and twenty years building a boat. Yeah. You just imagine, like, how many? Like, did he ever second guess himself? Did he ever think, like, what is all this for? I would imagine their thoughts happen. I just think through the day of like how many thoughts run through my head. <laughs> the rest of the world's continually evil all the time. You would think that some second second thoughts about why am I doing this occurred. Oh, that was a really good one. I should have used that. See notes. They're they're helpful. <laughs> I did. Again, twice. Twice. Um, it's interesting to me that hike the over the last three years, I think I've been going to Pleasant Hill for the last three years, like people haven't really treated me much different other than they've noticed like at work, maybe just how I show up, my attitude. Sometimes in the afternoon it gets a little hairy. <laughs> but, like, I try to catch it and and repent and, like, forgive that behavior and then move to something new. And, and it's, it's not like a moment in time derails my day or the rest of my day or my week. Now it's like a moment in time I can let it go. 
choose different behavior, pray about it, and, and be a better person in a very short window. <laughs> Whereas before it was just like frustration, like getting into the water cooler talk at work and like going down that spiral. And it's, there's a lot of behavior changes that happen when we incorporate Christ in our life. And um, I would imagine that growth opportunity for Noah over that 120 years, I bet by the end of that, he was he's a pretty solid family man. He's probably really tired, but still faithful. Like that grind of faith over 120 years had shaped him positively. I think Jeremy said it yesterday with um, the perseverance and and how that how we show up in those moments. We don't necessarily know the results. But how many people heard that and at least started thinking? Maybe they, they didn't get on the ark, right? But you have to think somebody thought about it, seeing him build a boat in the middle of the desert with a great attitude. Like, those naysayers were there, but what about those that were like, huh, I wonder if he's telling the truth. <laughs> Which probably should have made a better decision later down the road and got on that ark, though. So that was the boat. And we're going to talk a little bit about the journey. So let's go to Genesis chapter 7. This is the part where, like, I think there was a moment of, like, just fear. (laughs) The Lord said to Noah, enter the ark. You and all your household. For you alone I I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you every animal by seven, a male and his female, and the, the animals that are not clean two, by two, a male and a female. Also of the birds in the sky by seven, male and female. To keep offspring alive on the face of the earth. For after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. And then Noah did according to the Lord commanded. God tells Noah to get in the boat, shuts the door, and then you get to sit there for seven days. No rain, no. You're like, what is going on here, right? I got all these animals in here that are probably pretty irritated, pretty ticked off that I'm sitting in this boat. I'm looking like a morsel over here in my little room with my window. There, there, I'm thinking there's, there's probably some doubt going on right now. Like I spent the last 120 years building this boat. And now I'm in it and nothing's happening and I'm in here for seven days. So after seven days, the water came upon the earth. They were in that boat floating around, and then as the water subsided, came to a rest, and that came there for, like, all in total from that seven days it locked the door until the end, if you, if you read through the scripture, it was about a year on the boat, about a year. So we recently started watching this show on, on Netflix 
called Alone. I don't know if any of you have seen this this show Alone. Like, they're in the woods for a hundred days. And these folks are losing their minds in a hundred days. Alone in the woods. Just in the Arctic. Yeah, it's a pretty rugged place. I'm thinking the boat for 365 days with all these animals kind of hanging out. I mean, I would imagine there you're supposed to feed the animals, right? <laughs> so, so there's there's some chores and things to do to kind of keep you busy. But like the biggest fear that I see in this show is like bears, right? Like the 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 thoughts about eating being eaten by a bear or or a cougar or uh, wolf, and it just really gets in people's minds, and then they you can see them start to degrade over time until they get so scared that they're like, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm going to call and the boat's going to come save me. Well, no one didn't have the phone <laughs> to say, uh, hey, <laughs> I'm done. Right? So he had to tough it out with his family. I would imagine there was a lot of supporting of each other, a lot of script, like just preaching, teaching that happened in that boat over 365 days. Because he didn't have to steer the boat. God was steering the boat. You didn't have to worry about where you are going to land because God had that taken care of. Like You had to get the animals on the boat. You had to get your family on the boat. You're going to float around for a while. You get some food. And then I'll let you know when it's safe. And you did that. This is like the, the part that's, that's interesting to me is it, it wasn't until the end when he opened the window and set the birds out. So first he did a raven. The raven just flew off. It's like there's certain homing pigeon, like pigeons and things that will come back, <laughs> pick the wrong bird. Um, then he goes to the dove, lets the dove go. It kind of flies around and then comes back. No sight of land. Waits a little while, sends the dove out again. And that dove comes back with a leaf. And he's like, ah, oh, hope, right? That's like, we're getting close. I'm at least seeing like leaves of trees. And then it was still a pretty substantial period of time before the boat rests on the mountain. And then God lets him out of the ark. I think it's important to know like what happened after the ark. I would imagine there was a lot of excitement to get out of the boat. Like, have you ever, this is in my mind because we talked last night about my daughter starting to drive. And there's, there's a movie that my kids like to watch, The Pacifier, like where he's this, like they're driving around this minivan and the daughter's driving and they're all scared and they get out and they're like kissing the ground, like land. I, I visualize that, like they're out, they're like land, but that's not what they do. They built an altar for the Lord. They thanked the Lord for saving them from being exterminated. So Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma and the Lord said to him, I will never again curse the earth, curse the ground, 
on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. That's a pretty, that's a pretty rugged journey, right? 120 years, you had to go through the ridicule and just society telling you that you are wrong and this isn't what you like this is not right but you persevere you build this boat you you get all the way to the end i would imagine as the rain's coming there are probably some people banging on that boat wanting to get in right and so you're probably heart wrenched that you weren't able to save them but god wasn't going to let them in and when it was all done you realize that all that work all that faith, all that perseverance is because you trusted in God. And so what did you do? You got off the boat and you thanked him. Brian said something in a uh, sermon a couple weeks ago that I thought was profound. In in, In the Old Testament, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, they're they only had their faith. They only had that peace to save them. And they had to like, be obedient to God. And, and I mean, we need to be obedient to God, but that's all they had. But as Christians today, we've got the Holy Spirit. Jesus came, sacrificed himself. He gave us an opportunity to have the Holy Spirit and be saved if we choose to, to be Christ-like. All they had was their faith and Noah was the only one that survived. Today, we have a choice and we have Christ. And we choose him, we survive. Christ is our ark. Like, that's the bridge. Right? Christ is our ark. And then there was a promise. And this is kind of where Christ as our ark comes in. Promise in chapter... Uh, lost it. Oh, there we go. In chapter 9. We are going to start in... chapter. Yeah, chapter 9, verse 9. Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, and of all that comes out of the ark, and every beast on the earth, I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, Then is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be the sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about. Then I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. So God promises 
that he won't destroy the earth with water again. And he says the rainbow bow is my sign to you that I will keep my promise. God promises to save us like Noah. And what does it take? I thought, if we go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. We'll actually start a little bit higher. Uh, maybe chapter 11 to 14. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want to be treated, or same, <laughs> the way you want them to treat you, for this is the law of the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there, and there are few who find it. So God promises to save us and never destroy the earth with a flood again. And Noah is set to, to repopulate the earth through his generation. Down the road, Jesus is born. Then he sacrifices himself for us. We get the promise of the Holy Spirit, but that Holy Spirit is a narrow gate, and there are very few that make it through. So we need to make sure that we're the ones that make it through the gate. Just like God saved Noah, Christ will save us if we make it through the gate. And that's going to take faith, that's going to take perseverance, and that's going to take hope. Thank you.